You're listening to episode six of the Financially Savvy Girl podcast with your girl, Aki. And on this episode, I sit down with the one and only Christina Dappa, a brand strategist, fashion blogger. She's a marketer, absolutely amazing with great following on her social media platform. And she's here to share some of her wisdom and give us some tips on growing and monetizing from social media. But most importantly, I sit with her and we talk about her pursuit of passion. You'll hear about how she left a promising career in finance to pursue a career in marketing and how that's been super beneficial for her despite the ups and downs. How she went from having 800 followers on social media to having over 36,000 followers in less than four years. She talks about all of that on this episode, so stay tuned. Take hold of your future with the financial savvy Welcome, welcome, financially savvy people. I am super excited. Today we have our very first guest speaker on the podcast. This is episode six of the Financially Savvy Girl podcast, where we provide you with financial intelligence for your personal financial journey. With me today is the one and only Christina Dappa. I am so excited, guys. Not only is she our very first uh, guest speaker, but she is an amazing person who I know will provide great content for each and every one of us to really just know how to capitalize from social media, know how to properly market herself. So as you can see, I'm totally excited. So let me just introduce her formally so that we can get started. Christina has been a blogger since 2011. She is self-employed, a freelance writer, a fashion blogger. She's a marketer. She's a social media strategist. She has truly mastered the art of monetizing from social media through sponsor content as well as advertisement on her website. If you don't know her website, you better check it out, guys. It's called couturekitten.com. And the link will be on our show notes. Uh, it's spelled very uniquely, so make sure that you look at the link uh, so that you can actually go on the web on the website. With over thirty guys, guys, wait, wait, let me just say this, okay? With over thirty-six thousand and four hundred followers on Instagram alone, Christina is here to share some of her wisdom and tips on how to not just effectively market yourself or your product on social media and monetizing from various platforms, but also, girl, how do you grow that audience to that size? That's just amazing. And she's local, she's in Canada, she's in Ottawa. You just don't hear this. So guys, welcome Christina Dappa. Hi guys, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure, pleasure. I'm super excited. This episode is almost like selfish for myself because (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I I myself can benefit so much from this content. You have such 
a well of knowledge and experience. So we're so excited to have you here. And uh, I'm excited to be here, girl. Uh, super, Thanks for super having happy. me. Pleasure. Um, so before we dive, I know that you have your own, uh, you're on your own uh, financial journey. Yes, I am. And uh, I'm super excited, guys. Uh, Christina and I were sort of speaking before we started mm -hmm. recording. Mm -hmm. um, so she'll dive into that a little bit later. But uh, she's here essentially as our expert uh, to provide us with some nuggets and some tips. So let's just start with that. But before even diving into the content, can we just know a little bit about you? You know, I know yeah. that you're a mom. I know that you're a wife. I know that you're a Christian. I am. And uh, just tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. So as she mentioned, my name's Christina Dapa, and I am a wife to an amazing man called John Dapa, and a mom to a beautiful, smart, like just the light of a child called Hannah Ray. Um, as she said, I started blogging in 2011, and for me, it was really an outlet when I was in school, just something fun to do right. to, you know, help me, like, de-stress when I was in university. Right. I started off as a finance major and realized very quickly that that was not for me. <laughs> um, so then after, I had to pump the brakes, and then I decided to pursue marketing because I thought that... Um, I would stay true to my strengths and after really like sitting down and being honest with myself I decided that I would be far better off as a marketer and far better off in a space where I felt like I could have more creative control so I started um, pursuing the degree in marketing and that took me a year more to finish school but that right. was fine because it was an honest look in the mirror at who I was right and so um, I started my blog then. Actually, my first ever blog that like nobody should ever know about was probably in 2009. And that was like, it was, it's an embarrassment. Like, I'm so happy it's not on the internet anymore. Yeah, but it's like before anyone even started blogging. It That's was. Amazing. And I came across this one girl like on the internet and she had a fashion blog. Right. And every single day she would just take a picture of her outfit and post it. Like it wasn't fancy. It wasn't what you see today. But I, I, I don't even know where I came across her. It might have been Tumblr. Do you remember that song? Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Like I, I, like, I understand what she's doing. Maybe there wasn't language behind, like, what she was doing then. Like, fashion blogging wasn't this, like, big thing. Right. But I was like, I get what she's doing. Like, she's, she's just putting her outfit out there. Like, I feel like I could do something like that. So I started my own version of that, which is, like, super embarrassing. And I would take pictures of my outfits with which I was like overdressing and sitting in my mom's bathroom taking photos thinking I was like doing editorial couture shots for a magazine it's embarrassing but <laughs> those were my humble beginnings and um like I said it was an outlet for me at that time I didn't even know people monetized I didn't know that this could even be like a viable like like business venture I didn't see any potential in it because at that time I think some people were making money doing various things on the internet but I wasn't aware of the the possibilities so you were just following your passion at that point. literally so you left a degree in finance yeah. to follow your passion in marketing not yeah. even knowing if you would be able to monetize from it exactly I just had to be like true to myself right and it was like one of the only things that made me um, feel at ease during that time when I was having like so much trouble in my program mm -hmm. and I think for me like being in finance it was also a thing where like even though you know I was progressing and doing okay 
I knew for myself that like this is not something that I could do long term, and I had to like pump the brakes. How this- did you get to that realization? I know we're completely off topic no, right that's now, okay. but this is so important. Oh man, I had to like. It was really hard because my parents were forcing me in one direction. Right. And um, like academics is really, really big in my family. Like my dad is a PhD. My brother's an anesthesiologist. Like my mom is a nurse. Like everybody's really like well accomplished in academia. But they don't have (laughs) 36,400 followers. They don't even get what that means. My dad is like, what are you? What are you doing? Why are you not in the office? Like I I promise every week he's like... (laughs) Are you applying for jobs? I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Bye, daddy. Love it. But yeah, I just had to... I I want to be... I want to have joy. And mm-hmm. like, I've always... I've always had to like... I don't know. I'm somebody who... Um, if it's not giving me peace and making me feel fulfilled... And finance did not do that for me. I Like, despite everything around me that might be hard to look people in the face and say, you know, I'm not doing this or this version of me that you want me to be, I can't fulfill that for you. Like I I'm forced to listen to my own voice because it's the only way where I could be in that place of joy. And that's the best place to be right. When you silence the voice around you and you just start paying a little bit closer attention to the voice that really matters as well, which is yours. And you're the one who needs to be happy doing, waking up and doing what you do on a day to day basis. So absolutely. And that age, it could be seen as like being rebellious. Oh yeah. You know, like, you know, you don't understand the world. Right. You don't, we're advising you because we know the world, but I didn't know. Maybe it's naive. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of naivety in it, but I was just like, bliss. Right, being you like super young yeah. and not knowing, but yeah. I had no choice. I just yeah. I hated it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And wow. So, so was... how do you go from hating it, changing to marketing, to becoming where you are today? So, following university, I went to the University of Ottawa here in the city. Um, I got a job, so I got a full time position at CIBC with Gundy, which is like the investment firm on 50 O'Connor downtown in Ottawa. Fancy job, everybody was so proud. I was gonna be a marketing advisor to to a a marketing professional to an investment advisor. Right. That was the gig. It was nice, like I guess pretty well paying. And at the same time, I had been applying to be an L Canada intern in Toronto for zero dollars. This was an internship (laughs) that paid no money. Right. So I was on my second round of applications the first time, which was a year prior. I applied and I didn't get in. And then something after I applied and didn't get in, I was like, oh, let me just, the application period opened again like four months later. I was like, let me just apply again. Like you never know. Like I was discouraged, but I was like, nah. I submitted my- I'll just put it out there. (laughs) Exactly. And that was like, almost a year before. I didn't even realize that like they were choosing candidates around the same time. But right. I mean, that's, I, I believe that, that that was like a God, a God timing thing. Um, a week after I got that position, the El Canada um, application process was happening and they called me to come in for an interview. So wow. I left everything. The interview was in two days. I drove down to wait, Toronto. Wait, when you say you left everything, what do you mean? So I left. <laughs> well, so I was supposed to be starting. Okay, I guess I left everything in my brain. Right. Because I knew. Yeah, I had committed to it if it was mine. Yes. You know what I mean? Nobody yes. knew that yet. Right. People were still clapping for me for the 
marketing position, but I was like, no, like this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't really tell my parents what I was doing or anybody around me. I just drove down, kind of hush hush, interviewed for the internship, and they were like, yeah, we want you. And I was like, yes. So I'm not taking that position. I had actually already accepted it. Oh God. I hadn't started though yet. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I had to go back to them and say, you know, I'm I'm gonna decline the position. Sorry, it was a big thing. And then in about a week and a half, I had to move to Toronto to start this. It was a four month internship and it paid zero dollars. So I lived with a family member and every single day I commuted about two hours because I was in Mississauga, if anybody knows Toronto, and the internship was Shepherd Young, which is like oh, a yeah. long way away. It's quite the commute. Yeah, I took the bus and I went every single day to do really like what was my passion. And I say my passion, but like I actually didn't know that like, I say my passion in that it was creative. I do like fashion, but I was just chasing like creativity because I knew that's where I was strong, right? Right. And so I became a digital um, intern there and I was that for four months everything went well and then after that I had to get like a real big girl job so I worked um like a paying one paying job (laughs) exactly because I mean I had been making like I had been making no money for four months so I had to I was forced to I didn't get a position there or anything like that Um, so I was forced to get like a office job I did that for about a year and a half and while all of this was going on I was still doing my blog and at that time I was making no money. So is this like 2009, blog. 2010, and 2011 This was 2012 to 2014. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, you're still actively blogging. Yes. And um, the thing that kept me going with blogging, I think, was after doing the internship at El Canada, I think I had really gotten like a real taste of like being in the fashion industry. Right. And I saw like the lifestyle of, you know, the editors and just like, the fluidity and freedom that they had and right. I was like like I'm craving this yes. you know what I mean and then also fashion blogging and monetizing on the internet you know Instagram was on the rise that was also coming to the forefront people were actually starting to make money online and so I was like you know what not really necessarily doing it like oh I'm gonna make money one day but still like I'm just gonna keep going yeah yeah and have faith see what happens have faith exactly trust god in the process i don't know the timeline but i like it so i'm gonna keep going right yeah so when you started blogging did you even realize at that point that you could even monetize from that no so it was just a, a fun outlet that you were blogging yeah, exactly so when i come back after um i think it was 2000 and at the end of 2014 when i moved back to ottawa or 2015, I moved back to Ottawa. Um, I had gotten my first quote-unquote sponsored post. So it was a store called West 49. I don't know if you remember that store. Oh, yeah, It was like a skateboarding store. Yes, I remember that. So they were trying to do like a rebrand right. where they didn't want people to look at it as like a skateboarding store. Okay. So they were using like, I guess at that time, it wasn't really called influencer, but bloggers or people who were showcasing fashion in some capacity online. They were using people like me to, you know, shop there, put on the outfits and like, like project the message that we're not a skateboarding store only. We have other things in our store. So come visit us. So they wanted to make sure that they get someone who's really well-versed and knowledgeable in the fashion world and push their their business further than their typical clientele. Yeah. But see, at that time, I didn't even have like a following, you know, it was like my friends and family on Instagram. I probably had like maybe like 800 
So you mean to tell me, and this is like what, 2015? Yep, at the beginning of 2015. So 2015, you had about 800 followers. Yep. And today, four years after, you have over 36,400 followers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We need to dive into yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how do you go from that point, from 2015, 800 followers to then actively growing your your followers? You know, a lot of patience. And it's not like a popular, like when people ask you that question, it's not necessarily like what people want to hear. Because obviously, yes, there are like strategies, there are tactics, but it doesn't necessarily mean that like what worked for you might work for somebody else. Right. Like, you really just have to keep putting yourself out there, right? And the Instagram algorithm back in the day was a lot different than it is today, right? I keep on hearing that. Yeah. And so um, with anything, like when the opportunity to make money starts to increase, the barriers to entry also gets a little bit more. Decrease. Exactly, right? And so now... increase. (laughs) Increase, yes, exactly. And so now Instagram wants to probably like pad their pockets. Right. And so the way for growth now is probably through like you know, paying for advertisement and stuff. Like, a lot of companies pay. I went to this event Facebook put on. I don't know if you heard about it, but it was at the Marriott Hotel. Okay. And there was company, there were companies there who were talking about that they spend, like, $80,000 a year on, like, ad spend. And they've made, like, $900,000 worth of, like, revenue in the year, right? And so... If you have the capital to put up, growth for you is inevitable. You just have to target the right people. Right. But a lot of us starting out don't have that kind of money. Exactly. So when people ask me that, like, what you have to work with what you have is what I say. So what you have is time. And so back in the day, I used to just make sure I was consistent. I used, there was a point in time on Instagram where I was posting a picture or two every single day. Right. Right. Every single day. And um, I was interacting with a lot of people, you know, inviting people to come back to my platform and check it out, like check out people who were doing a similar thing, you know, or people who were, you know, under hashtags, you might search like a hashtag, like people who were under the fashion hashtag, you know. So what would you do? Would you like connect with them? Would you contact them? Yeah, like just DM them and be like, check out my page if you get a chance. Right. Or like come back and check out my page. Like I, but I would say something meaningful about their platform exactly and then invite them to come back to my platform right i would join conversations in like forums i there was a uh you could submit photos on this website tumblr it was like black fashion right i would submit my photos like every single day you know and sometimes when you submitted a photo your photo would kind of go like semi-viral because a lot of people would like re i think on tumblr it was called like tumble I don't know, like kind of like retweeting. Okay. But the Tumblr equivalent was like to retumble or something like that. So people would do that. Or when I was on Instagram, I would tag like a bunch of accounts. If you go back to like my old pictures, I was like, and you touch it, there's like so many tags on top of each other because I would just tag like accounts that feature other accounts that had bigger audiences, right? And so I did that. And then I started to do like a number of giveaways. Yes. Um, I hear that's uh, that's a really good and popular way to even monetize or grow your audience today. Oh yeah, exactly. And then I collab. I've done like some collaborations. I collaborated with um, 
a big blogger actually her name was over my style body and she has like a really really great audience I did I reached out to her and another blogger and I said hey let's do like this post where we all style like the same look or our interpretations of like the same look I love that right and we all post it and so I was using what I had which was like time and I listened to like this guy named Gary Vee and he says the same thing all the time like love him. if you don't you love him right if you don't have money you have time exactly so just like you got to do whatever you got to do and something might click exactly right something might work out and then i i've i've like met so many bloggers online that have just said you know like like send your send your blog post here or like i run this site where like i i put like links every friday for like independent fashion bloggers i have a friend in new jersey who she's a blogger as well and she curates content for that website it's, it has an amazing reach and basically every single Friday, they do this thing called links a la mode, where okay. they'll put like your blog post link for their audience to go to your blog post or your Instagram account and check you out. And how do you make those connections? Those connections came organically. Once just your audience as I, started growing? Not even, just as I kept doing, people who were also doing and, you know, doing they the same thing. They start seeing you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Consistency. Then, yeah, they started reaching out. Like, right oh, I think you'd be cool for this, or do you want to collaborate on this, or I'm doing this giveaway, do you want to like give some money and we're going to buy this product and we give away this item? Yeah. And That's then, amazing. Yeah. At what point did you actually start monetizing and benefiting from your social media? So I think I started... So the opportunity, the first opportunity that I got was actually not paid. Um, they just gave me a gift card and I shopped. I wore the outfit and I posted it on Instagram. I thought I'd made it at that point. I was so happy. I was over the moon. <laughs> um, and then after that, I paid my dues and I did a lot of stuff for free. Right. I jumped at anything that like morally was I was good with and that I could actually, you know, create a story around like a product that I use, you know, that felt authentic. Right. I jumped at any opportunity that people gave me. So I think there was a time when I was partnering with, I forgot what com company, but they would send me like, just like a lot of free stuff. And I would just do that to get like a working relationship with them. Right. Um, and I did a lot of stuff locally as well. Like I just tried to network as much as possible. I don't even think I knew it was network at that networking at that time. But I interned in Ottawa as well for a magazine that gave me a little bit of exposure because when I was writing, they put your handle, you know, just like little things right. all over the place. Um, and then I think it was in 2017, I got approached by, and at this point, 17, 2017, I got approached by Flair magazine, like wow. in my direct messages on Instagram to be a writer for them. Right? That's amazing. Yes, it was an amazing opportunity, especially to be able to put that on my resume. But one thing that I realized so much about this journey is you get these big breaks. Like I was an L Canada intern. I've done the flair thing. Like I've had a lot of really cool opportunities, but none of them were like the thing that like, I don't even say I've made it, but none of them are going to be like the thing that like, oh, I've arrived. Right. Everything is, it's like all like little drops of water along yeah. the journey. Right. And it's also the contribution that you 
are making outside of those big breaks you know the connections exactly. the networking that you're doing exactly the, you know promoting the products I take it that you believe in and yes. your audience actually trusts you because whatever product, I mean, when you put a product out there, I follow you and I'm like, oh, yeah. I like this because yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. you actually use these things. I right? do. So yeah, it's yeah. that trust that you've built no, over exactly. the years. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and even your audience changes so much. Really? Eh? It does. Like, um, even right now, like being a mom, it, when you switch the type of content that you do, it also kind of like hinders your reach too. Right. Because it's like people might have been following you for one thing before and then you become a little like unrelatable in a sense and their attention might take a backseat, right? In terms of like where they might have like really consumed your content before they might scroll past you today. And that's, that's, it's okay. That's fine because you're growing too, right? Exactly. Maybe you may want to reach another type of audience as well. That's right. And I've also been able to get a new audience, right? That's amazing. Of yeah. people who are moms and who are looking for certain products and things that I'm promoting. Um, and so, so yeah, I think I diverted a lot from your question. You asked me. 2017, you were saying. Yeah. You, you really start did Flare. When did you start? I started doing Flare. That was paid. Right. So even though that's not social media, I still kind of group them all in the same hub because that opportunity came by way of social media. Exactly. Right. And um, that was for the digital edition of Flare. So it was still online. Okay. Um, 2017, I got to write for Flare and that was a paid opportunity. So that was amazing because that was a consistent stream of income every so often. I was writing an article and I was getting in, I was getting paid for the article. So it's like a fashion blogger? Or how? I was what you call an Ottawa localist. So they gave me things and places to check out in Ottawa. Like, right. And then I would go investigate and write about them. Awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. It was pretty cool. Okay. But it's interesting because even with that opportunity, um, like it didn't explode my re like my platform. You understand what I mean? Like, right. it, yes, obviously, like there were more eyes on my like my Instagram profile and I got a bit of an audience through that but it wasn't like this thing that just took me like from a thousand to like 30 right do you know what I mean it's all do you been feel like, like having breaks like flair does that give you more uh, credibility yes. or credential I'm, I'm not really sure yes 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 because that that's what I was going to note on that that opportunity definitely opened up um, other opportunities mm -hmm. right because people saw that you know oh well she works with flair. She's a professional. She knows what she's talking about. Right. And so I was approached a bit more at that point by brands. Right. Um, and then shortly after that is when I got one of my big um, breaks, which was like a, a opportunity with McDonald's. And that was the highest paying opportunity I had ever gotten at that, like to date. Right. Before that, like I said, it was really small things, like small amounts of money and free products okay. that I was doing. But then McDonald's really also opened up my eyes to like the potential of like people can actually like live like off of Earning this. an income from this. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so that, oh, that's such an interesting experience because they contacted me. And what's so funny about that is a couple of years before I have contacted them I'm going to talk about like pitching after because as much as stuff comes in, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't get out there as well. Okay. There's things like for the grabbing and that's something that I learned at like a, an event 
with other bloggers and right. they were literally just talking at a table about like pitching brands and I was like oh we do that we do that <laughs> interesting you know like pitching like going after them as opposed to just waiting for them to oh, yeah you know contact you and give you some type of opportunity absolutely like okay. probably 80 percent of people's opportunities come through pitching wow. typically and that's kind of off the top of my head but um yeah you have to go you have to go after stuff um, and so that opportunity came to me and I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is crazy. And I struggled a lot back then with like, how much I, am I going to charge you? Because right. right, you're on the cusp of like, okay, I'm kind of really doing this. I'm not really making money. Like, I'm just like, a, did you feel like you had a bit of imposter syndrome yes. along the oh journey? My, yes, <laughs> absolutely. You're like, wait, am I like. Are people going to think I'm qualified for this? Am I supposed to? How much do you you charge? Am I as big as the other person? You know? Yeah, exactly. You went through that. that. Yeah. So it was a collab when they were launching their Uber Eats collaboration and they wanted people to get on board. They contacted me and I was lowballing myself. Like, I'm only going to charge you this much. And um, it was actually my husband who he also does his own form of, you know, business. And he has so much more experience and he does not devalue himself at all like he has no he's people just some people naturally don't have a problem with that right he is that person but then he is a male in business as well and i know sometimes females in business is different exactly yeah and so um he was like this is mcdonald's like don't you're not like don't charge that like charge like they're loaded (laughs) this is mcdonald's this is mcdonald's (laughs) the richest real estate (laughs) empire yes they're in that business right <laughs> i was like no like i'm only gonna do this because i want to land it you know what i mean right, right. you don't really believe they want to work with you they just <laughs> they just <laughs> found you somewhere and we're like oh yeah she'll do you know mm-hmm. and so um i said an amount that was like ludicrous in my opinion you know and uh i don't know if i should share like amount. oh it's up to you i, I mean yeah well, okay, so I'll do it just to give you guys an idea. So I I shared an amount that was, to me, crazy, which at that point was $780, $780 for one post. Wow. For one post. And I was like, that's ridiculous. One post? For one post. I was like, that's crazy. Okay, Who wh- would take that? What were you going to ask for before? Maybe like 150 Look at the huge difference. And my husband was like, no, like, you are valuable. You have, like, the reach. Your stats prove it. Exactly. You should not charge that. Like, it's a benefit for them to work with you. And I said, you know what? Know your value. Know your worth. Yeah. Let me try it. I threw it out there. And on the first shot, they accepted. Yeah, we love it. We'd love to work with you. And he, at that time, was like, you went too low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they didn't come back with a counter offer, exactly. that's still too low. He's like, just know, like, you went too low. And I was like, oh, but it's okay. Like, it's okay. But you, it's still amazing. Yeah. Like, exactly. I and mean, so, we don't even make that per hour. No, you, no, no. Right? Huh. So it was like, for me, I was just like, wow, like, people are willing to pay for, you know, like, you to take the photo and, like, your creative perspective on it and, like, the people that like you're gonna potentially reach like this is like awesome for yeah. me you know and um yeah so i did that and then the next year they offered me a year-long partnership so that was that year 17 2017 i believe it was was the first year 
where I really started to monetize, and that was through McDonald's. Right. Right. Um, so that partnership, like, although, you know, if I was single, like, I wouldn't be able to, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be living. But, like, it was a lot of money. Exactly. And, a, like, a really good way to get the ball rolling for me in terms of, like, confidence and, like, okay, let's let's really do this. Right. Yeah. Good for you. That's amazing. Yeah. And I guess in that journey, you learn how to better negotiate. Oh, yes, girl. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes, like, now, I am a... Di- I, sometimes I don't even real like... I don't even, I can't even recognize myself. Wow. You know what I mean? Because I, if I'm negotiating something now, I'm like a crazy amount where the person's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, relax. <laughs> yeah, like, down. let's come. To, and you know, and it's better for me because I'm able to actually end at a place where it's like, no, this feels good. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I, like, with the help of my husband, but also looking to women in business, there's a woman I follow on YouTube. Her name is Karen Bond. Yes. And she, do you know who that is? Yes. You do? That's oh, actually crazy. That's so, how do you know <laughs> How do you know? How do you know? Half of the people that you follow, I'm like, oh my God, this is like someone that I know. No people one knows who know. Karen Bond Nobody is. Nobody knows who Lisa Nicole is. No one knows. Yet you that's know who so she is. Crazy. So we're like soul sisters. Anyways, we have a whole story for you guys, how we even met I and know. how we're related you know through marriage that's and, crazy yeah but that's gonna be for later on that's so cool yeah her i've been watching her for maybe like two years now yeah and she like inspires me because she i mean we're not doing anything similar she owns like an interior design firm but like she is just like and she's kind she's, she's kind she's a boss man she just gets things done she gets it done and she was giving i think in one of her videos she was talking to women in business about like value and she was just like don't like don't lowball yourself like and i don't even remember in detail what she was saying but whatever she was saying really spoke to me and i was like you know what yeah like if i offend you with like what i what i say like, sorry, I but want, sorry. sorry, but not sorry, but like, <laughs> I gotta be happy about exactly. what I'm doing exactly. and like feel like it's worthwhile, especially now that I'm a mom. It's so much more easier to be like, this is the, like, this is it. Yeah. Cause I really don't have time now. Exactly. You understand what yeah. I mean? And your like, time, you, you value your time even more. Exactly. Right. So exactly. if you're going to be away from your daughter, if you're going to be away from your family, it needs to be worthwhile. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like for me, for sure, motherhood has made it easier to really be selective in terms of where I am and what I do with my time. Yes. 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 So just hearing you say that I can totally relate to right, that. Right. 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 So. And another thing about women in business, you've said it, a lot of women don't, even when you have yearly annual reviews and, you know, a lot of women go into those reviews really lowballing themselves Mm -hmm. and not selling themselves in terms of, okay, why do you need a raise? What did you do this year? What I've started doing for me, and I know I struggled with this for many years, you know, but I started essentially like keeping a binder mm. in the beginning of the year to the end of the year because we usually have the uh, the reviews, you know, mid-year or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I keep a binder with each and every one of my achievements mm-hmm, for the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I prepare myself ready for those meetings yeah. to sell myself. I am my product wow. in those 
and no one is better equipped to sell yourself than you are exactly. and i go there meaning business Wow, like you bring the binder. I bring my binder, and what does it show them? It actually shows that you know what you're taking this seriously. This is your business, yeah, right? And they're gonna see the value that you bring to the company. Yeah. I found that completely. Just having the binder itself really just helped with my self esteem to know that you know what I've done a lot. Yeah, you know what I deserve this. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. sort of this constant reminder. Right. So it's helped me really a lot. So. Just hearing your story about the McDonald's story has, like, it's super amazing. You get it. It's super amazing. Yeah. Now I feel like I need to, like, add more content to my binder. Right. <laughs> Girl, no, it's it's Seriously. real, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. We we struggle with that. And I, it's not, like, a bad thing, but I think it is something that we have to realize yeah. and work to change. Yeah. A little harder than men. You know what I mean? Men don't... A lot of men don't struggle with that. A no. lot of men know their worth, know their value. They grew up being told, you know, they're supposed to be world changers. Exactly. They're supposed to be doing X, Y, Z. Exactly. Women, especially, the more you have on your plate, the more you're criticized as to, hey, why are you out there in the work? Yes. You know, yes. you should maybe not be so That's out there, oh, not yes. be so bold. Yes. So it's, but it's the era for women. So here it we is. are. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Exactly. So here having, to stay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Having a woman like you here in Canada who's doing Mm. what you're doing and you're super young Mm. and talented and super sweet it's it's amazing to see it's so inspiring that's awesome so inspiring so okay if at what point in time did you even realize hey oh my god my audience is this big how did that happen can you is it just the uh, the consistency the small steps the connections the affiliations and whatnot that you did along the way that eventually your your audience size just grew exactly and again like that you know i'm not like an algorithm expert but growth and reach and everything on instagram that matters today if we're talking about like since we're talking about instagram specifically is so different than it is even is today even like a year ago right you know what i mean like your reach is can, like is capped today and you everything is suppressed a bit more based on other factors on Instagram right and so there was a time on Instagram where I was um, like rapidly growing and a lot of people talk about this too um, and today I it's not that I don't think growth could be that rapid but um, I think that it is a little bit more difficult Right. Yeah. What I see a lot, I mean, I'm new on Instagram from a business standpoint, but yeah. what I see a lot with Financially Savvy Girl is I get a lot of DM mm-hmm. from people with a lot of followers mm-hmm. who are like, hey, we want to showcase you or okay. we want to post, you know, a picture of Financially Savvy Girl, one of the posts on our story. Mm-hmm. Or um, I also get emails. Okay. Um, from people saying, you know, we're there to sort of help businesses grow their their audience, you know, for X, Y, Z amount of money. Mm-hmm. You can have 500, 1,000, 2,000 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, additional followers. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. can you even trust these things? Um, I think it's about hearing out what are they doing. Because right. some of it on Instagram is like... Um, like some people do like the I'm buying likes 
or I'm buying followers. And a lot of Instagram has weeded out a lot of those okay. um, type of accounts, but a lot of those accounts are not like real accounts. And if, especially for somebody like me, who I guess is what you call a micro influencer, right. if brands are vetting your account, like a lot of brands have very high def, like um, software and programs where they can an- analyze like your your following and your reach and who exactly like that 36.4 is comprised of right. you know what i mean so right. if they are you know people accounts that are not real they'll be able to t- like they will be able to tell i'm in the fashion world but you have a small business mm-hmm. and you understand the importance of digital marketing mm-hmm. in today's mm-hmm. society and you just want to you know sort of maximize that platform your social media platform and really start capitalizing from your social media whether it is to grow your service your clientele your Mm -hmm. audience or just more exposure of your business or Mm -hmm. your product Mm -hmm. Uh, what are the tips that you have for these small businesses on how to successfully do that i would say that you have to create content number one consistently and content that um, invites people into a learning experience and the reason why it's so um, important to go strong in the beginning when you might not have an audience in terms of like teaching somebody something or like providing some somebody with like takeaway tips or ways to like improve their life right is because in my personal opinion and when you're taking in the social the landscape of like social media today and how saturated it is and how there's so many barriers to entry. I just think that it's, if we're talking about today, it's the quickest and not necessarily that we're all rushing and racing, but it's the quickest way to build somewhat of an audience Right. is to give somebody something that's like, this is what, like, I believe if you do A, B, and C, it can change your life or it can solve the problem that you have. Right. right. And so an example that I will give is, um, We were going on vacation earlier this year and we were going to the Caribbean and there was a resort um, in that on that island that was creating content on YouTube where they were literally just ask answering like questions that any consumer traveling there might have. Like what is the weather at this time of year or like what are, you know, um, the best things to do when you get to the island or like what are the staple foods or like the native foods or things like that, right? right? And I found myself like heavily diving into their content, not necessarily because I was going to stay there. And we also, I think businesses also need to look at that the person might not be a customer today, but brand awareness and like recognition is a lot in terms of like your sales and potential sales for the future. Right. You know, like because you could be unknown or you could be in the back of someone's head. I would rather be in the back of someone's head. They might not be a consumer today, but I might go to that island again and be like, you know what? Like, oh, or that person's having a deal or, you know. When they're in need of a service, they know where to go. Exactly. And now I have another option. Exactly. And it's always better to be an option than to be a nobody. A nobody know you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, I don't don't know that brand. Right. I don't know that resort. You know what I mean? Because there's so many of them. You want to be somewhere in the person's you know yeah and i feel like a lot of people are so skilled in their business and their craft but 
they remain a nobody because they're not really capitalizing from putting themselves out there, even on social media. Like, is it even possible at this point to start a business and really be successful on just word word to mouth or, you know? I think so. I do. But I think social media, because I don't think for everybody, social media definite, like, I don't think in everyone's business, social media equates to sales directly right you know what i mean there are some businesses where like literally like your product or your service is just so it's so costly because of like the process that goes behind it that you can't just make a quick sale on social media but social media today does for brands like that it serves as like like if somebody is making a decision it serves as kind of like your portfolio right you know what i mean and people use social media to develop personal brands and if you have a personal brand you have like you have power right right? like obviously you can have like a product or service but if you also are kind of like a Gary Vee or like what Karen Bond is doing with having like Karen Bond is that interior designer she hired a team to follow her and do like vlogs yeah and she's grown her channel to like in maybe two and a half years or three years to almost 90,000 people right that can be used and monetized somewhere in the future she might not be doing anything with that today but she might be in a position to sell a book exactly in five years. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so uh, in, we've spoken a lot about Instagram yeah. uh, because that's one of your major platform. Although I know you are on YouTube, yeah. you have a uh, daily vlog on YouTube yeah. as well. You have yeah. a website. You have uh, you're on Pinterest. Yeah. You're are you on Facebook as well? You have yes, a Facebook yeah, page. I yes, do. you do. Yeah. So you really diversified, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. your social media platform. Uh, what do you even know or do you recommend a specific platform to grow your business? Or can you just talk a little bit about what are the differences? Yeah. So initially when I started, it was obviously the blog. That was the blog. And I used social media to push my blog post forward, even though I did not necessarily have like this massive audience on the other platforms, right? I just used it to stay active. Like I'm gonna put, when I do a post, I'm gonna leverage the post and post the link, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram, right? Right. And so out of all of the, I did that for however long. And then I think it's gonna be really important for you to start to take notice to what is taking off quicker than others, right? And so there's no like, cookie cutter answer for everyone it's all about doing and then stepping back and analyzing your efforts and then saying you know what if I'm looking at you have to look at like your analytics so if you have a website and I'm looking at my like Google Analytics which is basically just your statistics of like where your traffic is coming from or what people looking at your content are doing if I'm looking at my Google Analytics and I'm noticing that the majority of my blog post clicks are coming from Pinterest, it's going to be like you, it's going to be important for you to invest in Pinterest. Right. And I noticed that for me personally, like the little bit of Pinterest effort that I was doing on my own, which was nothing. It was having a very, very small amount of success. You know what I mean? Right. And so I said, I think it would be beneficial to maybe hire somebody to take over that. Nobody takes care of like my other platforms. But I thought that would be like a good, a good direction to go in. Um, 
And yeah, so then Instagram obviously started taking off. So I focused more heavily on Instagram. Facebook and Twitter serve as just like another place to place my link. Right. You know, it's not necessarily somewhere that I'm super active, but it's just another place that people can find me. So yes, there are best practices like, you know, Instagram is best for like visual content. YouTube is obviously video. Now Facebook, you know, with Red Table Talk, people are developing like video content and leveraging it on Facebook. Um, So yeah, one thing I would say is like whatever you feel strongest in, if you feel like you're a super strong communicator and you love being in front of a camera, if you feel like you're really talented in taking pictures and like making something look good, which was my strong suit, which is why Instagram works so well for me, go with your strength and what you're naturally good at and just be consistent there for a little like a little while and see if it starts to take off. Don't be scared to try new things um, because time will tell where you should focus your attention. That's amazing. Okay, wow, Christina, thank you so much no, for your time. For You've given me. us so much to work with here. And I know that our social media strategy will not be the same, <laughs> thank God, to your wisdom. So I'm yeah. definitely going to go back. I know for me, um, you know, as much as I'm the one on this podcast interviewing you, but I'm really benefiting just awesome. as much as the audience is because we're still in the infancy stage of financially savvy girls. So yeah. there's a lot that you provided here that I'm definitely going to go and work on to make sure that I'm reaching more people. Good, good, good. Uh, so just, can you just let us know your personal financial journey? Where are you on that path? And I know that you have also paid uh, paid off your debt. I did. And so congratulations on that. That's amazing. Thank you. The freedom that comes with I that. I know, I know. So where are you on your financial uh, freedom journey? Um, so we actually, my husband and I, well, my husband didn't come into our marriage with any debt. It was my debt. Same um, story, girl. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he had paid his way through school, his undergrad, his master's, all of that. And he was in a really good position. And so he was actually the one who got me to take my finances super serious because he was he had a lot of knowledge in that area um and so i got on board because i i saw the light and then we paid off um, my student loan debt and that was a year ago in may so essentially since then we have basically been building our emergency fund exactly yeah so your listeners know what an emergency fund is. Definitely. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are. We're in the nitty gritty building an emergency fund. And um, are you doing the three months worth of your expenses or are you six months worth of expenses? Just for anyone who's new yeah. on the podcast, emergency fund obviously is, you know, where you are accumulating um, in a savings account, your expenses for X, Y, Z amount of month is recommended three to six months. So just Christina, sort of, where are you on that journey? Yeah. We're trying to aim for like somewhere in the middle. Right. So maybe like four or five, maybe closer to six. Yeah. Like yeah, four I have a hard time keeping like six months worth of expenses in a savings account where money yeah. is not generating. Anything. Right, right, right. I have a hard time doing I the know, six. I know. I usually brain. just do the three. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and then I put the other three months it worth of it in like an investment. investment account. Yeah, I feel you. No, that makes, I completely feel you. I do. <laughs> I do. So that's where we are. Um, it's been a since a year ago, it's been a slow journey for us. Um, that's because we, both my husband and I are, we basically fall under the category of like contractors when it comes right. to everything in life. So we take care of like every aspect. 
So we have like our money going a lot of places because we have to save our own taxes. We have to save for our own retirement. We have to, like when the money comes in, we manage 100% of it. Right. 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 And so if you look at that, um, when your money is going like a lot of different places because you're, you're making sure that you're, you're accounting for different things, um, things do tend to take like a little bit longer. So we're just, we're faithfully, you know, chipping away at it. Good for you guys. Um, we've definitely had some, some drawbacks like tax season rolled around and we needed to take like from our emergency fund to pay like the remainder of our taxes because we had like this big massive like um we got a really really great accountant um to help us with some stuff and she um suggested that we do things like a certain way that forced us to pay like a little bit more right Right. um especially like towards like looking to buy like a home like and like um not letting like our business expenses decrease our income like so so much exactly so sometimes what that means in the short term is like you have to pay so much more taxes so our tax bill this year was like bigger than it's ever been um but you know we're looking at it as something that will benefit us in the future that's awesome right now in the short term it's kind of it's kind of like oh this is crappy but um it's but a it, journey it is right? there's ups and downs and i think that's what makes it so uh relatable you know people yeah need to understand even those who have paid off their debt like doesn't mean because we're done paying off our debt that there's no ups and downs there's always some it's a roller coaster but there's definitely a light at the end of that tunnel uh so that's pretty amazing so you guys are essentially in your building stage where you are now saving for your emergency uh fund and you're also building your net worth so that's super amazing yes um okay so this is the end. Yes. We want to thank you, thank you for being here on the podcast. Um, can you just tell our listener, where can they find you? So I'm on Instagram. We talked about Instagram a lot. So I'll lead with that at Christina Dapa. Um, it'll be somewhere there. It'll be in the show notes. Awesome. Christina with a K. And I'm also on YouTube, which is a platform that I'm trying to grow. Um, it's not as successful as Instagram, but uh it's been something that i've been working on since like 2011 around that time too really but i've been super inconsistent right so it was only like in the last year that i'm like no like i'm gonna do something like every week at least you know so i'm actively trying to build there so please check out my daily vlogs and other content on youtube same name christina dapa and yeah i'm basically christina dapa on every every platform except for the website Except for the website, yes, which is <laughs> couturekitten.com. Couture is spelled K-O-U-T-U-R-E, kitten, like the animal, K-I-T-T-E-N.com. And no worries, guys. We'll make sure to leave it all on the show notes of the podcast episode. And lastly, Christina. So we want to end our podcast with our guest speakers by asking two questions. Sure. So the first question is, what's the biggest financial mistake that you have made? Um, I would say that the biggest financial mistake I made was a mindset mistake, which is the way that I once viewed debt. Right. Like there was a point in my life, and I think um, it's obvious by like my story and paying off debt. There was a point in my life where I didn't think that there was anything wrong with the debt. I didn't. I I didn't think that. Like I thought that this was what every single person did is just exactly. exercise debt to reach their financial goals it's kind of um it's kind of what i was exposed to and also 
what I was more or less like taught to do indirectly. And so that definitely sent me back a couple of years in life. But for me, it was um, super, super necessary because I think that, um, you know, as God brings more opportunities and, uh, you know, I, I hopefully by his grace become more successful, I'll now know and have the tools to, uh, you know, be in a better place generationally. And what is your why? You know, what, that's the second question. What's your why? Um, you know, why are you on this journey? Yeah. So I believe that for me and my husband, that we have a calling to, to give to just the various places that God like pushes us to give. Right. I hear you on that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just want to be in a position where, um, I can assist people you know, people, women in business, people getting started, people who don't know what to do or who are in a bind in some way. Um, I have a really, really big dream of opening some kind of like a resource center, like a co-working space for like women in business and being able to give women like resources and like just inject them with like a little bit of confidence from my, my, you know, little humble beginning story. Uh, and so all of this is kind of, you know, uh, each of every single thing I do today is a puzzle piece and toward towards trying to get to to that goal. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you. Take hold of your freedom. Take hold of your future with the financial savvy.